everybody, and welcome to another new edition of Live from Pawnee. I'm Alan, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Mark. Mark, how are you today, sir? Good morning, Alan of the Roundtable. We're coming to you from the crossroads of America here in Indianapolis. It's sunny and 70 degrees. I don't even know if that's true. I don't, I don't think that's true. That. I don't, I'll look outside. That's I, wishful thinking is what that called. It sure is. I was yeah. on a roll. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm doing okay, man. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I'm, I'm looking forward to doing this episode. And we're, uh, we're we're talking a lot about our calendar and getting prepared to do these. And, oh, yeah. Uh, I need a calendar. I need I, to buy I, one. I need one, too. Yeah. Constantine said he, he's here today, right? Yeah, yeah. Here. Yeah, you're, yeah, there you are. Yeah. Put yeah. down the onion. He said he was going to do my calendar. I, I told him, okay. You're really trusting. <laughs> but okay. I feel a little nervous about it, to be honest with you. Yeah. Yeah. But we'll see. We'll see how he does. Maybe, maybe I, that's all for nothing. That's really that's nice. That wash your hands first before you do Alan's calendar. Yeah, it might stink or something. But, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, y'all in more than one way. Yes. But, hey, Mark, let's talk about the episode we're here to talk about. Okay, we're here for season five, episode twenty-one, swing vote, swing vote, or as I call it, aka the penultimate episode of season five. Uh, yeah, the, the penultimate to last. No, penultimate. Penultimate means that, second to last, like literally. The yeah, word next itself. to last. Yeah. Next to last. Yeah. Penultimate. This next is the, to the penultimate. ultimate. Yes, it is. Because ultimate would be the last. Yeah. So next week we'll say we're at the ultimate episode. That right. sounds weird other than last. I don't know. I like it. It's bombastic. It is bombastic. Yeah. We, we sound smart when we use big words. That's what I've been told. Indubitably. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. So this episode has a standard runtime of 21 minutes and 32 seconds. It's yep. not a producer's cut. No. We asked for one. They would not give us one. No. Sad, but okay. And uh, this first aired on April 25th of 2013. Yep, yeah. I wrote right. down 2023, but I happen to know that's not right. Right, right, right. Because one, it's in the future. And two, that didn't happen. And yet, I mean, that look... The, the R&D department here at LFP Worldwide Headquarters be has been working on a time machine for quite some time yeah. <laughs> and uh, with no success. But I don't yeah. know. I haven't talked to them lately. They could I, be in busy. the future right now Every time success. I look, I hear machine noises and hammering. And I don't know if you do that for a time machine, but they seem busy. That's just Robonstantine. He's still, he's still <laughs> oh, clambering around back there. Yeah, yeah. I thought we unplugged that thing because of the... Horror. No, it turns out it, he has a, a nuclear engine, so oh, it doesn't shut off. Good. Yeah. Yeah. That's not, that's going to turn out well. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mark, back in 2013, this uh-huh. actually uh, moved back to the 930 time slot. I've been trying to say, like, kind of put it in context. Yeah. You know? I mean, I've been looking at the ratings numbers and the shares and all that stuff. Because this was the whole must see Thursday. This is the must see Thursday lineup. And we had the lead into Hannibal that night, which mm. was, I think, picking up some steam. I think maybe in its third episode at that point and went on for three more seasons. So, uh, you know, and then, uh, you know, I think more importantly, I think there were four episodes away from the end of the office at this time too. So that's also happening. Yeah. That's closing up for its finale. It really is. Yeah. So interesting to put this in context and think about that. Yep. Today's episode was directed by Alan Yang. This is one of two Alan directed. Ultimately, oh yeah. Uh, he was a producer on like 88 and I think ultimately he wrote, uh, if I'm not mistaken, 16 episodes. And he's doing some podcast. That's something. Uh, I think they're on hiatus, but yeah. Uh, and as a matter of speaking of Alan, he uh-huh. co-wrote this episode with Joe Mandy. Who oh, wrote yeah. One of our episodes somewhat recently. Yeah. Uh, you might know, remember Joe. He's, uh, he's uh, he occasionally plays Morris Lurpus. Morris Lurpus. Yeah. He's really, he likes the internet. He does like the internet. He's yeah, that yeah. guy. That's yeah, right. He's that guy. But he also has been a writer producer for Parks and Rec, Kroll Show, The Good Place, Hacks, some other Mike Funny Schur guy. Vehicle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Funny guy. And, uh, 
But um, I think for Alan, this is his 11th of 16. And for Joe, this is he's about halfway through. This is his third of six for, for penning. Very nice. Yeah. So, Mark, why don't you get us into our synopsis and uh, we'll get this thing going. Just got stuck there. But yeah, yeah, okay. I'm going to do that. Um, I all right. glitched like Robonston. <laughs> it happens. Yep. Oil can. All right. I split this sucker up into three stories. Hey, that success. Yes. Banner, mission yeah. accomplished. Now, all if right. you get him in the right order, that will get you a double ding. Well, uh, I, I live for the double ding. All right. So the I've A- I've heard that about you. Just easy. <laughs> just my college days. So my A story is entitled, To Putt or Not to Putt? That is the question. That was nearly my title. Really? I didn't do it though. I'm so glad now. You did a better one. Okay. Well, I didn't say that. <laughs> okay. All right. So here's my uh, synopsis for that. Ron has proposed the city cut its funding to the Pawnee Palms Public Putt-Putt, a.k.a. the Pawnee Palms, a.k.a. the PPPPP, or, as I like to call it, the quintuple P. I like that. Yeah. Sounds smart. Um, Le- Leslie disagrees with Ron, so she wants to keep it around. And-, and she tries to make sure that the city council votes against it. Unfortunately, the council is locked at two to two with Councilman Jeremy Jam as the proverbial swing vote. Mm. To this end, Leslie invites Jam to the quintuple P for a night of mini golf. Predicting this move, Ron meets them there, not to play, but just to remind Jam how much taxpayer money is spent each year on this place. Leslie, on the other hand, panders to Jam's uh, juvenile side and supplies him with uh, snow cones and mylar balloons and reminds him uh, how fun the quintuple P is, you know, and enjoying the attention. Jam decides, he has a a, a brilliant idea, Alan, he decides Mm. he's going to make Ron and Leslie play nine holes against each other, and then whoever wins is going to get his vote. It's a putt-off at the putt-putt. Oh, my God. It is that and more. What will happen? Who will win the putt-off at the putt-putt? Uh, Leslie or Ron? Will Jam honor the con- the contest results, or will he vote however he wants? Mm. If the quintuple P closes, what will happen to Mr. Fuzzy Face the Gorilla? Stay tuned to find out, dot, dot, dot. I don't trust Jam. I'll just say that right now. I would be very wary here. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. He doesn't exude trust. No, no. No. He exudes other things, but not trust. Yeah. Yeah. Mark, my title that I decided to go with. I like yours, by the way, since, especially since I thought of it first. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mine was, uh, I did mine as kind of a title plus an AKA this week for all three. Yeah, okay. So that's my theme. Yeah. So, putt uh, putt or shut up, AKA pump up the jam. Oh, I like that. Yeah, I like that one too. Yeah, that was that's pretty good. well done. The rest of them suck, but that one's pretty good. <laughs> All right. Well, it's a good thing I'm here to pick up the slack. That's right. Um, My B story uh, I entitled as, I didn't know what to call this one. So I called it Betrayals, Swan Songs, and Business Suits. I like that. Meh. It gets to the heart of it. It's true. It it is very true. It's it's factual. All right. Anytime you don't know what to say, just go to a list. It always works. Here are the things that this is. (laughs) Title. Um, Title. All right. When Ben, April, and Andy have a celebratory drink at Paladino's bar, Andy is shocked to find out Mouse Rat is playing without him, performing songs he freaking wrote. When Andy confronts Burley and Chang, they explain they called him a number of times to try to get him to come to rehearsals, but he never showed, and I don't know, they still really wanted to play, so they continued on without him. In response to this betrayal, Alan, 
Andy comes to the conclusion. He just says, you know what? Nuts to you all. He's going to retire from music and he's going to perform one final solo a swan song right there at Paladino's bar on stage to bid adieu to his career. Wow. How will this turn out? Will this be Andy's final swan song? What will Andy do with his life now? Does Andy make good nachos or not? Stick around, podcast viewers. All will be revealed, dot, dot, dot. Nice job, Mark. That's also my, my B story, so we owe you one of these. Yay! Yeah, yeah we did them in the right order and the right number. That's, that's That didn't happen every week. I want to thank my brothers and sisters and everyone oh who God. always had faith in me. Hey, did you up. see I wore my mouse rat shirt today? I did. In honor of the return of, yes. uh, well... Rap mouse, I guess, technically, but whatever. Yeah, rap bastards. Yes. Did you oh. hear their Andy songs? Yeah, I, I heard it. Yeah. yeah that, that was almost my title for this one. But no, it's That would have been good. It would I have didn't been. even think of that. I know. Oh, I'm <clears> off my game. Yeah, you, you really blew your chance. Yeah, yeah. What was your title? Mine was called uh, Rats in the House, a.k.a. Missing a Mouse. I like that. Yeah. It's 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 like layered. It is. It's like, it's like a bean dip. It doesn't make any sense, but you know. It's layered. Yeah, like a bean dip. Like your, a bean your, dip. your titles are like a bean dip. Oh it's very God. good. See, I am hungry now. Wait, thank you. <laughs> you you like you do that. You prepare yourself like my titles suck, and then you go, bam! I'm I'm brilliant. Yeah, nicely nicely yeah, done. Thank you. All right. So the C story and final story I have as entitled "Breaking Up Is Hard to Do and Sometimes Dangerous." <laughs> That's true. All right. Having grown tired of his crazy, crazy, uncontrollable, and sometimes dangerously unpredictable girlfriend, Mona Lisa. You said a mouthful. Yeah. Tom finally acts like an adult and asks Anne to break up with Mona Lisa for him. <laughs> Anne reluctantly agrees, but this ends up backfiring. I mean, sure, Mona Lisa does break up with Tom, at least initially, but then she conscripts and as her bestie focusing her let's call them laser beams of crazy on Anne instead desperate to find a way out of this situation Anne insists Tom help her who resorts to kissing Anne hmm. in front of Mona Lisa as a guise for ending their friendship this only makes things worse as Mona Lisa interprets this as them asking her for a threesome oh no <clears throat> What will happen? Does a threesome occur? Or can Tom and Anne escape with their sanity? Is Mona Lisa's breakup with Tom permanent? Or is it just a temporary respite? On a scale of one to... How crazy is Mona Lisa? Uh, I, I don't know. I know the answer. Hang in there, true believers only. Time will tell, dot, dot, dot. Very nice job, Mark. Thank you. All. I, I like that word you said there in the conscripted. I like that. Yeah. I remember yesterday I told you I, had the, I was voluntold to do the thing? Yes. I was conscripted. Yeah. That's what it is. That's a great word. Yeah, I love that word. That's from old timey. It is old timey, but you know what? It means a thing yeah. and only that thing. I love words that do that. that English mean is a full thing? of words that do like too much. Yeah. So often you encounter words that mean nothing. Or, or too many things. Or too many things. Well, you just blew my mind. <laughs> that, that's what I've been suffering from. My words mean too many things. That's it. You I need just, to narrow that down. No wonder I'm confused all Crying the time. Crying like a girl and a half. What was your uh, title for this, sir? Uh, mine was uh, Chenille for me, Chenille for you, a.k.a. Throw Mona Lisa from the train. I like that. Thank you. Oh. Thank you. Oh, Danny DeVito. You like it? And Ramsey. Throw 
Well, yeah. 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 Because yeah. it's a yeah, chenille. It's a, it's a chenille. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the yeah, blanket yeah. is to cover yeah. yourself up. Yeah. I was proud of that one. No, that's very, very good. Thank I'm you. impressed, sir. Hey, Mark, uh, I know we both did one AKA because of the thing. Only um, one. Only one. What'd you do this week? Should I explain to the audience? Uh, no, you should. No, I'm not going to do that. No, not do that. that just, I, that's so played out. I, I, I said you can explain to them in about nine episodes from now. It'll be long enough that, <laughs> okay. that we'll let them forget. That's right. Our three fans. All right. Um, yeah. <laughs> three. So, when did we get two more? I just meant to tell you, we got a, you know, 200% upgrade. Nice. So my AKA is from Mona Lisa, uh, played by the great Jenny Slate, oh, who I, gosh, I just find so hysterical. Yeah. And, and this is where Anne's trying to help Tom, uh, break up with uh, her yeah. and she approaches her and Mona Lisa's response, which seems <laughs> apparently completely normal to her. Is she pulls out a <laughs> screwdriver and says, we can do this, but I will bite you. <laughs> that made me giggle. That's my AKA. How about you? Good. She had that screwdriver ready too. I love that. She's nothing if not prepared. Yeah. She's a mechanic. <laughs> Something. <laughs> Uh, Mark, mine, mine is uh, actually from Leslie from the A story when she's asking Ron what his beef is. And she says, yeah, what did the PPPPPP ever do to you? Yeah. So one too many. Uh, was that too many? Yeah, I counted. We'll go back and edit it. All right. <laughs> I'll sound brilliant. Yeah, that sounds that sounds like a great idea. <laughs> we should do that more often. Oh, my God. You wouldn't believe how often we do it already. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. yeah. Hey, Mark, let's get into our breakdown. Okay. All right, breakdown incoming. Well, we uh, start off with the cold open, a very good place to start. We are, uh, we're in City Hall, and uh, this is probably mid-size, I guess. It's a little bit over uh, a minute, but not much. Uh, we're in Ron's office, and uh, Leslie is storming angrily in uh, to talk to Ron, apparently, about his latest budget cut proposal. Hey, Constantine, put down the onion, sir, and start us off. Play this clip. Wow, he didn't need that finger to hold on. No. Hey, what the hell is this? I'm guessing it's my latest budget cut proposal based on your rage sweat. First of all, I am rage glowing. <laughs> Second, you want to cut funding for the Pawnee Palms public putt-putt? What did the PPPPP ever do to you? Ron is very anti-government and he has that philosophy, but there are just certain things that you don't cut. Schools, police, mini-golf, merry-go-rounds, parades, gazebo repair, roads and bridges, whatever. Pretty gardens, <laughs> hummingbird feeders. I believe in cutting useless government projects. I also believe in cutting useful projects, mm. future projects, mm. and past projects. Mm. The Hoover Dam is a travesty. You also believe in making furniture. Why don't you go solder a chair instead? Do you expect me to make a chair out of transistor chips and small wires? <laughs> Look, the defunding of the mini golf course is on the agenda for the city council meeting tomorrow. I'm sure you'll argue against it with your trademark vicar. Oh, I will argue, and I'm gonna win. That putt-putt is gonna be around forever, and when I am done with it, it'll attract more visitors than the Hoover Dam. And it'll produce double the amount of electricity. <laughs> How? I'll figure it out, it already has windmills, who cares? <laughs> <laughs> I she's like getting that. angry. She's angry. I'll figure it out. Right. Yeah. She's getting some. She's getting some Donna sass in. She really has got windmills. You can hey, go after. She's yourself. on to something. I love yeah. It. Yeah. You know what? Those windmills are just sitting there, just just waiting for wind. Yeah. They're they're just being obstacles for 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 golf for mini golf balls. That's it. Yeah. Do something. Yeah. That's why I was taking extra one extra stroke on a hole seventeen. But is that why? That's why. <laughs> Because of the Hoover Dam, it, it, I that thing's a travesty. Yes, I know, I know. I didn't like to. Talk I've been about there it. actually. It's pretty amazing. Hmm. 
Well, Mark, in our first scene following the cold open, Leslie runs into a couple of colleagues and immediately goes to work on her plan to simultaneously keep the PPPPP alive and win her argument with Ron at the same time. Well, she clearly she's she sounds pretty incensed coming out of his his office. So she's she's, she's on a she's on a mission she now. Is. And in this scene, as you mentioned, Alan, we see Leslie talking with. Uh, Councilman Milton and Jam mm. in the hallway of City Hall. And she's trying to feel them out about which way they're going to vote for, for the mini golf thing. Um, Milton's experience apparently has not been great with it. The, on account of last time he was there, there were kids of all races getting along and playing and getting along and playing together. And it, that's, that's terrible. Nice. That's terrible. Oh. That's terrible. So he's going to vote with uh sexy Dexy Councilman Dexhart to actually get rid of it. Wow. Leslie happens to know that Councilman Hauser is going to side with her to keep it, which makes Councilman Jam, you guessed it, the swing vote. Wow. Pun, insert pun here. Yeah. All of a sudden, in no way related to this, Leslie asks Jam, hey, buddy, what are you doing tonight? This is weird. Yeah, that is weird. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see what happens with that. Yeah. Well, later that evening, we bounce over to a familiar Pawnee establishment just in time to join a celebration and witness a betrayal. We also catch up with Tom and one of his ex-girl's friends and one who might be moving in that direction. Yeah, we, we've been here to Paladino bar, Paladino's Bar a few times. I think as early as season one. Rock show. Yeah, that was the first time. I could time. not remember the last one, but I knew you would. So what was our last one? Um, don't let me down. You're 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 a huge liar because I don't remember. I, I I want to say my gut says that we've been there once since, since. Rock Show. But I think maybe this. in season three, as a matter of fact. But I just can't remember. That, which that, I can't remember yeah. either. We had a lot of mouse rat that season, so I, it's it's you know good crapshoot. Right, right. Yeah. Just playing the percentages. That's right. So yeah, we now cut to Paladino's Bar in Pawnee, where Ben and April and Andy are having a celebratory drink after receiving a big donation to the Redwood Music Program, which we've heard about before. That's a charity that Andy uh, discovered, and I think he's really jazzed because it's getting some traction now. So they also do rock and some other music. Types. That's fantastic. So, <laughs> wow. <laughs> Well done, sir. So things are going okay. You know, they're having a few drinks and they're listening to the cool music until April looks up on stage and then urges Andy to look up on stage. And they see the members of Mouse Rat. I know those guys. Minus Andy playing Andy's songs under the name Rat Mouse. Andy is disbelieving at first and then is absolutely livid. We then cut to a different part of Paladino's bar to what has sadly become a typical Mona Lisa Tom moment where here, here's the template. She says something outrageous. He's disbelieving and scoffing. She gets pissed and pouty. She acts a little crazy. They make out and then nothing ever gets resolved and just repeat that ad infinitum. <laughs> we then have a short talking head from Tom where in short, he tells the camera, I guess it's time to do the mature thing and have someone else dump her for me. So <laughs> it's a right, plan. right on cue, we then see Tom approach Anne, comment on her and Chris getting together. Hey, that's great. Hey, let's talk about me, though. And then she, he changes the subject to him and his crazy girlfriend. And and, and could and could you pre please, please break up with her for me? And then Anne says, hell no, at first, because duh. Yeah. But then Tom offers to give her his chenille blanket that her she loves one. so much. Yeah. And uh, she finally agrees. <laughs> uh, Ron pronounces that K-Razzy, by the way. K-Razzy. K-Razzy. Yeah. 
<laughs> well, Mark over at the Quintuple P. Yeah. That's a lot easier to say. I'm yeah, 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 yeah. From now on. We join Leslie and the most cheerful caddy in the world for a round of taxpayer-funded golf. And uh, a surprise guest shows up as well. I like Chris in this cheerful mode that he's too. been in it's for the past few episodes. Yeah, yeah, that, that, I think that's where he's at his best. Yeah. So, yeah, we cut over to the uh, Quintuple P and we see Leslie and Jam playing mini golf and Chris following them along cheerfully as a caddy. Hey, Constantine, play the clip, please. Thank you, sir. Yeah, dead ringer for Courtney Thorne-Smith. She works at the gas station. My. I need to have Jam fall in love with this place, so I'm rolling out the red carpet. I need you to stay upbeat, keep things light. Absolutely. I can be a sort of conversational lubricant to you. Yeah, that's probably a less gross way to say yeah. it, but sure. <laughs> I love being a caddy. <laughs> it's so much more than just carrying clubs. It's about offering positive reinforcement. I consider myself a caddy to everyone in my life. Nice shot! Great sweeping. Way to be, duck. <laughs> wow. Double thumbs up. Councilman! Nice putter. Oh, thank you very much. Some fat Hawaiian guy left it in my waiting room. When he came back, I was all like, oh, uh, yeah, yeah, I, don't, I haven't seen it. I don't know. <laughs> Classic. Classic. <laughs> what a great and funny story. Okay, before we start, anybody want a hot dog? Hot dogs? You know I have irritable bowel syndrome, you racist. Yikes, okay. How about a snow cone? <laughs> On me. Hello, Councilman, Chris, Leslie, Snow Cone Lady. I see you're about to play a round of publicly subsidized mini golf. Mind if I join you? Mm. Mm. What is he up to? You see at the end there, Ron and Leslie kind of stare each other down. I love it. Yeah. You just need some tumbleweeds and some... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, back at Paladino's, we learn who created most, if not all, of Mouse Rat's awesome names to date. Yes, we are back at Paladino's bar and Andy decides to confront Burley and Chang, who are understandably a little uncomfortable with the situation. Yeah. It's awkward. It's awkward. And Andy lays into him with the whole you're singing my songs without me, you bastards thing. Um, it turns out they tried to call Andy's cell a number of times and tell him about the show, like 20 times over the last few weeks, but Andy never picked up and they really like playing so they, yeah but they, he dropped his, his phone in a bowl of cereal mark if they called him they would have known that <laughs> rat bastard so I, I think they're embarrassed and they're trying to tell him that they don't there it was there's no heat behind him and he's still pissed so he just storms off i would agree with that yeah well mark we now jump back to the pawnee palms where leslie is buying jam is taking and ron is asking annoying questions as ron is wanted he certainly is. Yeah, back at the Quintuple P, Leslie continues to schmooze Jam, and Ron is, he's not playing with him. He's just there to present a counterpoint to Jam with informational tidbits such as, this ridiculous play palace costs the taxpayers thousands of dollars a year. And Jam, I think, just, just wants to tell Ron to chill out and relax and just, you know, hey, Leslie's buying all night. Have a snow cone. She's snow cones for everybody, you know? Um, so anyway, as, as Ron points out, huh, she's buying him snow cones right before the day he's voting on an issue she cares about. Huh. Weird. Wow. Yeah. We didn't need him to point that out. No. Besides, I, I think if you look at their real estate portfolio, a putt-putt goes really well with the porn palace. Well, there's alliteration. I love that. So it's got that. That's worth that. That's yeah. worth gold right there, Jerry. Yeah, I think so. Well, Mark, after a short break, the putting proceeds at the Pawnee Palms and Councilman Jeremy Jam appears to be the putting pro. Meanwhile, Leslie is primarily pandering. Wow. 
I have to say, your your prologue caused a prolonged pontification. <laughs> nice job. All right. There. See, I'm not. Thanks for playing along. You're not the only one who can do. That's pretty good. That. Yeah. All right. So a bit later at the quintuple B, we we see Jam gloating as he sinks a putt. Like a oh, big deal. <laughs> but Leslie mentions, hey, look, you saw you saw, you sunk a putt. Hey, everybody's having fun. What a wonderful place this is that brings joy to people's <laughs> lives and brings a community together. Ron mentions, it's also a place that costs the taxpayer $9,000 in annual subsidies. Oh, Jesus. All right, guys, you all need to have a snow cone and just chill out. Jam scoffs at them both, blah, and then joins Chris at the next hole. And then Ron, Ron approaches Leslie and, and just flat out tells her, like he accuses her, you're pandering. You're not only pandering yeah. to get a vote, you're deliberately losing, which is even worse. Leslie stubbornly tells Ron, look, I will do anything I can to get Jam's vote so that this this course will stay open and be good for the community. It's interesting. They both have totally opposing points of view. Sorry, I didn't mean to do more peas, but just couldn't help it. Proceed. Proceed. Uh, but, you know, they, they both have valid points in their own way. I would agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Well, Mark, meanwhile, over at Paladino's, we see the BNC story start to come together again and... First up, we got a little story about Mona Lisa. Yep. Yep. Back at Paladino's bar, we see Anne attempt to earn her chenille blanket from Tom as she introduces herself to Mona Lisa as Tom's ex-girlfriend. And I think her strategy here, Alan, is to try and pepper in lots of seemingly innocent but negative comments about Tom, hoping that Mona Lisa will decide to break up with him all mm. on her own. But... Unfortunately, I think maybe my theory is anyway, the crazy in Mona Lisa's head is acting as sort of an insulation against Anne's words because so far she doesn't really seem to be picking up what she's putting down. She does not. Yeah. No. But speaking of rejection, mm. we now bounce over to check in with former mouse rat frontman man Andy yeah. Dwyer. Poor guy. Yeah. yeah. And so different area, still at Paladino's bar, different area. We see Andy venting to April and Ben about how P.O.'d he is at his former bandmates. Hey, Constantine, play this clip, please. I'm done with that band. I mean, I'm an adult now, you know? I work two part-time jobs. Hello. I don't need the stress of playing guitar with my friends every few weeks. <laughs> yeah, plus look how bad they are without you. Burley's terrible. He actually has a really beautiful voice for a backup singer. Right, that's what I meant. I love Andy, but to be perfectly honest, Mouse Rat's music is not my thing. I really only listen to like German death reggae and Halloween sound effects <laughs> records from the 1950s. And Bette Midler, obviously. Of course, yeah. You know what? I'm retiring from music. Andy, Andy. Done, but not without first. A monster farewell performance solo on this stage tonight, everybody. I'm gonna show these idiots what a big mistake they made. I need a piece of paper, I need a pen, I need four more beers, I need a computer fan, I need a lightning bolt of inspiration. It's songwriting time. What do you need a computer fan for? Sometimes when you use a computer, it gets hot, and the fan cools down. <laughs> He's not wrong. He's not. He's got his own logic to that, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, well. Now, why he would need it, he's not a computer. Yeah, I don't know about that. Well, maybe he is. <laughs> well, Mark, again, we're dancing around the B and C stories here and we're back to the B story again with Mona Lisa. Right, right. Yeah. Paladino's bar continued. 
Um, I feel like we, we're in a revolving door here at Paladin. It feels like yeah. it, yeah. So we're here we're back with Anne and Mona Lisa. And again, she's trying to pepper her with like little innocent negative comments mm-hmm. just to go, you don't really want to be with him. Do you? And I think Anne finally stumbles across the one thing that Mona Lisa can't ignore and heavily implies that Tom is broke. Mm. Mona Lisa... Let's just say she reacts poorly. She screeches out loud and then marches over with Anne to confront Tom about this whole being broke thing. And once Tom sees Anne encouraging him to play it up, Tom goes, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm super broke. Is that is that a problem? And Mona yeah, Lisa's she like, F with poor Z's. No, no, that, no, that's for the <laughs> birds, man. Mona Lisa breaks up with Tom and then storms off, pulling her new best friend, Anne, along by her oh. hand against her will. Oops. Which is really weird for her because usually she doesn't like Puerto Rican chicks. <laughs> like that just shouldn't matter. It's like I'm not. It but, just, it just yeah, doesn't matter. Okay. <laughs> well, Mark, back at the quadruple. No. Quintuple. Quintuple P. Yeah, get it right. Get it right. right. It's time for the kids to go home, you know, calculus, homework and such. And the competition heats up for the adults who remain. That's right. Back at the quintuple P, Leslie continues to ply Councilman Jam with snow cone after snow cone while he continues to, air quotes, win at mini golf. Finally, Ron, I love Ron's approach. It's basic. He, He forces the issue, stating in very simple terms, I've made my point. Leslie has made hers. Which way are you voting, Councilman? And clearly enjoying the attention and and them fighting over him and his vote. Jam comes up with a suggestion for Leslie and Ron to play each other in nine holes and the winner gets his vote. Leslie and Ron both accept. Chris is so excited at this uh, dramatic turn that he could literally faint if he didn't have impeccable blood pressure. <laughs> I believe that's true. Yeah, I think so. Well, back at Paladino's, it's time for Andy to make his point. But as you would expect, not before he rambles a little bit before finally getting to that point. <laughs> this is a really good scene. And and a lot of it is him playing on stage. But so we're back at Paladino's bar. We see Andy now on stage by himself with his guitar addressing the crowd and his old band members telling them that he's retiring from music and this is his swan song. And then we see about 30 seconds of Andy singing a song he just wrote about how he, and the, and, and if you listen to the lyrics, Alan is basically <laughs> like, Hey, I started a band and then other members uh, dicked me over. And then uh, I also am making incredible nachos and you know, the <laughs> usual. So um, not bad, a good hootie and the blowfish in, sure. impersonation, but you know, it fits right in with them, actually. Yeah. Actually, I like Hootie. I'm sorry. I, won't I do, apologize too. apologize for it. Yeah, yeah. I do, too. Well, also at Paladino's, Anne reconnects with Tom, and we see that the tables have turned, and Anne is now the one who needs rescuing. Going through the revolving door at Paladino's, we go, we cut over to uh, the Anne-Tom experience. and um, I Anne, love that band. <laughs> they're great. They are. Um, we see Anne angrily walk up to Tom. And she looks like a mess and a half now. Yeah. Um, she insists he get her out of her new bestie friendship with Mona Lisa. I don't know if you knew this, Alan, but apparently Mona Lisa is K. Razzie. 
<laughs> I ain't picking up on that. She covered Anne in glitter and Anna Nicole body spray. Oh, nuts. She still have that. Mm. At first, Tom tries to play this off like, you know, Anne, I don't really like getting involved in other people's personal relationships. Oh, my God. In response, Anne physically grabs him. Hey, don't hurt me. And then warns him, get me out of this friendship. (laughs) She did, like, exorcist level there. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then at the very end of the scene, we catch the last part of Andy's swung song where his singing has devolved into some sort of screechy screaming. Oh, my God. It's horrible. He's He's clearly still a little mad. Wow. Yeah. Well, while we wait for that, back at the PPPPP, mm-hmm. yeah, that, it's sudden death time in the putoff, and we're about to see who our winner will be and learn the fate of the budget cuts. Maybe may the player with the best short game win, Mark. <laughs> back at the Quintuple P, amidst gorillas, dragons, gingerbread houses, Ron and Leslie's competition draws to a finale. Although they are both excellent mini-golfers, Ron manages to squeak it out with a hole-in-one on the very last hole. Wow. And Jam tells him, and I quote, Swanson, I hate you. Nothing will change that, but I respect the hell out of your short game. You got my vote. Shakes his hand. Leslie is not a great loser. In fact, in fact, when, when Ron gets a free dragon plush toy for getting a hole in one on that last hole, the dragon hole, yeah, yeah. Leslie angrily grabs him from, grabs it from him and gives it to a random kid walking by and goes, run, run. <laughs> Leslie's mad. She's all mad. I, I, I don't blame the kid. I'd like that dragon too, actually. I thought that was kind of mean. I mean, even if she wanted to say you can't have that as a, as a trophy in the office, you would think that Zoe or Ivy would have liked it. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah, that's terrible, actually. Yeah. Now I'm pissed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah me too. Well, Leslie is not a sore... Uh, yeah, she's a sore loser. I don't think she initially reacts well to stuff yeah, like that. That's true. It takes her a minute to adjust. We'll mm-hmm. see if she does. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Mark, back at Paladino's, Ann and Tom have a plan. And while it might be smart for us to drink our Pepto-Bismol as we observe it, it does appear that it might work. Back at Paladino's bar, Anne is desperate to end her, quote, friendship with Mona Lisa and resorts to whatever the heck Tom's plan is. (laughs) Hey, Constantine, play the clip, please. Tom, she's coming. Tom. Okay, desperation time. Follow my lead. What lead? What do you mean? What do you? Oh, Oh my. What the mother effing seeing effing effing Kang F? is going on right now. Sorry, Mona Lisa, we can't keep our hands off each other. That is accurate. Huh. It's all finally very clear. All the times that you were like, oh no, Tom's no good for you, and all the times you tried to break it off with me, I finally get it. Mm-hmm. You guys want a threesome? Nope. What? No, uh, we do not want to have a threesome with you. Well, let's not rush to judgment. I mean, <laughs> I say wow. we hear out. Gross. Tom, good luck. You still owe me a blanket. Yup. <laughs> She's got a screw loose, am I right? (laughs) Actually, she's not the one in my life I would call crazy. Look, I still don't think we should date. Oh, me neither. I've been single for an hour now, and it's the tits. (laughs) Still like to hook up, though. Yo, do you want to have a threesome with us? Yeah, okay. Oh. Cool. (laughs) Do you see the look on Tom's face? I did, yeah. he's. uh, That's a little bit of an open mouth grin, isn't it? Yeah, like, what the what? Oh, my gosh. Well, <clears throat> as I let my uh, Mark while our nausea subsides here, we'll find our way back to, to the bullpen, and it's a new day, and we get introduced to a brand new Andy as well. 
It's a brand new day the next morning at City Hall. We see Andy walk into the bullpen dressed in a business suit and carrying a briefcase. The gang comments on his attire and Andy tells them this is just how he dresses now. Funny goofball music, Andy? Gone. Dead. Professional Andy is all that remains. He's an adult now. He's going to focus on uh, business which is probably good on account of it'll give him more time for video sure. games. Um, but that, that's what he said. April tells Andy, look, Andy, babe, babe, you love that band. You, they're important to you. Give Burley a freaking call and ask him to let you back in. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Yeah. Well, from the bullpen, we jump over to Ron's office. Well, Mark, I actually can't tell if we're in Ron's office or in a scene in Gorillas in the Mist. Uh, I, I think uh, Mighty Joe Young, maybe. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Even better. Well, I like yours better. If they were misty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we now cut to uh, uh, Gorillas in the Mist or maybe Ron's office. Uh, Ron is walking into his office kind of he's whistling. And then good gravy. He sees Leslie there standing next to the gorilla from the, the, the quintuple P and apparently Leslie's intent here. Alan was to try and shame Ron by taking this gorilla from the mini golf course and making Ron's office, his quote monkey tomb. <laughs> Cause apparently his <laughs> life's over on account of quintuple B's going away. Oh my. Ron points out, look, I live my life according to a certain set of principles. What ang Leslie angrily chastises him for not just being inflexible, but having the wrong principles. And Ron said, look, I acknowledge you think that I, I don't. And I'll, I'll tell you what else. I kind of like the gorilla and I'm going to keep him. <laughs> and I've already got a name for him. Oh, I'm no. going to name him $9,000 of taxpayer money. The gorilla. <laughs> That's a mouthful. <laughs> Leslie is angry. She storms out. Plus, it's not always a mouthful, Mark. It's inaccurate. His yeah. name is Mr. Fuzzyface. His name is Mr. Fuzzyface. <laughs> Storm out. <laughs> well, I mean, they both have their principles here, right? At the end of the day, because Leslie has said, you know, well, Ron says, how much did you pay for that? And she says, irrelevant. I would pay any amount of money to properly shame you. Right. So... I don't know. I don't think it worked. It did not work. No, I think this plan's backfiring. Yeah. Well, Mark, from there, we move out to the courtyard where Ann and Tom catch up on the details of the previous evening. And I think we should brace ourselves. Yeah. Gross. Um, so Ann is outside in the courtyard and she's sitting by herself at a table. And we see Tom come outside and approach her. And Ann is sure that Tom is going to gloat about his K. Razzie three-way uh, from last night. But it turns out, Alan, I don't know if you are aware of this, but Mona Lisa is... <laughs> she's nuts. She so nuts. check this out. Yeah. Mona Lisa and the random blonde girl from the bar yeah. uh, that she got... They got into a fist fight in the parking lot. <laughs> Sounds right. They didn't even get out of the parking lot. Mona Lisa threw a cinder block through the girl's windshield, steals her purse, takes her birth control pills, and says, bitch, you're going to get pregnant. Oh, my God. <laughs> and then, and then to, to capitalize on that, she the, she pretends the birth control pills are ecstasy, sells them to a bunch of college kids drinking Goldschlager at a gas station. <laughs> so, <laughs> despite God. all this, everything we just said, Tom was still not really able to break up with her. At least it didn't seem like it. Because he had a an no, no. He said actually he he did not. She said how did the breakup go? He said not well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So Tom, oh Tom. I mean, he gets it. It's just it didn't 
it didn't work. Well, and then she sees his hands even bandaged. She said, yeah, did, did she, she assault you too? No, it's, no, it's, it's, it's a sexual injury. Uh, Gross. Anyway, since Anne did what he asked her to do, yeah. Tom grudgingly gives her the treasured blanket Chenille O'Neill as her, which is pretty good. <laughs> That's good. As her reward. However, after hearing all the ground rules for how she needs to take care of the blanket, Anne just becomes irritated and just gives it back to him. Well, I don't blame her. No, I don't either. Yeah, well. Mark, from there, we jump back to Leslie's office and get a lesson in good old-fashioned tit-for-tat politics and talk about needing some Pepto. Yeah, we, we cut to Leslie's office where who do we see enter but one Mr. Councilman Jeremy Jam. Constantine, play the clip, please. What's up, Yellowhead? Jam, <laughs> you here to rub it in my face that I lost your vote last night? Well, I was, but it doesn't have to go down that way. You shook Ron's hand and told him that you were going to vote to close the putt-putt. My word is garbage. Everyone <laughs> oh knows that. Let's talk deal. What can you offer me to change my mind? Wow, Jam, even for you, this is pretty sleazy. Hey, don't act so shocked. A few months ago, you traded me your office for that stupid swimming pool bill. Last night, you bring in a teenage girl to pump me full of snow cones. This is simply how people like us operate. Jeez. I have six things to say to you. One, you drive me nuts with your rigid code of honor. Two, congratulations, Putt-Putt has been defunded. And only because Jam was going to double-cross you and I made him stick to his word. Three, I am furious that Putt-Putt has been defunded. Four, I am sorry that I said the gorilla's blood was on your hands. Twas Leslie killed the beast. Five, <laughs> Putt-Putt is for children and they are the future and I have already written a ballot measure that will save it and it will pass. And six, your rigid code of honor, which Drives me nuts. Makes you a wonderful human being, and I'm proud to call you my friend and don't ever change. You want a drink? Very much. Mm. <laughs> I like that. I do too. And, uh, you know, that first part there in Leslie's office, that's tough. I mean, that made me more queasy than the, the threesome thing. I know. Yeah, the, the politics are gross. They are really gross. Yeah. yeah. I think Leslie saw that where that was headed. And I don't think it's fair to characterize what she did with the swimming pool and trading her office. because She did that for the kids. She gave up something personal for that. So I don't think it's the same thing. I agree with you. But it is a slippery slope. And I think that's what she sees. I, I agree. I mean, her giving Jam her office, that's her sacrificing something yeah. that affects herself and only herself. Right. For to, to do good for others. I think that is a slightly different category. I do too. Yep. But totally. it is a slippery slope. It is a slippery slope. Well, Mark, out in the bullpen, fences are about to get mended. And I have to tell you, Mark, I had no idea there was actually a fence inside the parks department. Me neither. In the bullpen, we see Andy talking face to face with Burley, actually apologizing and asking if he can come back and play with the band. And as it turns out, Burley isn't mad. He he actually likes Andy a lot. And what it comes down to is, you know, like we said before, Andy didn't show up for practice. They like to play. But Burley tells Andy, you can definitely come back if you want to. You know, I'm, I'm more of a backup singer anyway. And Andy emphatically tells Burley, no, man, you have a great voice. And I tell you what, maybe next time I'll try <laughs> melting the cheese on the nachos. All right. You look like an idiot, but whatever. I'll do it. <laughs> That's funny. He says it won't work. You're going to look like an idiot. Yeah, yeah. Stupid burly, whatever. Oh, my God. Well, speaking of making amends, Mark, we jump back to Ron and Leslie, who are in classic Parks and Rec fashion, celebrating their differences over a couple of glasses of Lagavulin. Yeah, this is a little bit of a of a clink and drink. Mm -hmm. you I know? like it. We like these scenes. Yeah. 
So back in Ron's office, you know, he and Leslie are sharing a drink of Lagavulin, and Leslie continues to vent her frustrations. And in a nutshell, Leslie knew that the very nature of politics would be combative, and she had she had hoped it would be more like dealing with Ron, mm. people with the strong opinions, hashing it out respectfully, yeah. than with Jam, forcing situations that make her stomach queasy. And Ron points out two things to Leslie. A, there are a lot of Jeremy Jams that are going to be along the path you're walking. You need to figure out if it's a path you want to truly walk. And B, he tells her, no, Leslie, in fact, you cannot take the gorilla back as it was a gift from a very determined co-worker whom I respect. Nice. Yeah, that's good stuff. Well, Leslie is the eternal idealist, right? And I think this whole thing has opened her eyes to what politics, unfortunately, can be at times. I was really fascinated by this scene, and I'm going to talk about this later. Good. Yeah. Good. Well, Mark, for our kicker, we wrap up the episode at Paladino's with a fully healed and recently improved mouse rat to take oh, us out. My. Back at Paladino's bar, we have the privilege, ladies and gentlemen, of seeing the reunion door of the one, the only mouse rat. Hey, Constantine, play us out, please. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Mouse Rat's reunion show. Featuring me, Andy Dwyer, and for the first time, Andrew Burley Burlinson on lead vocals. That's right, two lead vocalists. Name one other band that's done that. The Beatles. Oh, Ben. The Beatles! <laughs> Do you see that look? Well, I know oh, we had bad times, but we had good times too. Good band. It is a good band. I, I mean, speaking of Hootie, right? I mean, I think they're a straight up Hootie rip in a way, you know, but, you know, it's pretty good stuff. Mark Rivers did a really good job, I think. I, absolutely. Yeah. They're, they are actually very talented. I, I would listen to that song. And, and you know, we've got Mouse Rat the album. In fact, we've got the Super Deluxe Edition that only we get a copy of. Of course. It's been a minute since we've talked about that. Yeah. But we should maybe mention that uh, again here soon. Yes. Maybe maybe even our uh, maybe our sponsor today. Oh, you know what? I think they are. Oh, I yeah, think you're yeah. right. Well, Mark, hey, you know what? Let's actually hear from our sponsor. We'll come back. We'll talk about this. We'll give the thing a score and we'll send everybody home. Brilliant, sir. Love it. All right. We'll be right back, everybody. Someday. Whether you first knew them as Alabaster Fart, the Andy Dwyer Experience, Department of Homeland Obscurity, Ninja Dick, Puppy Pendulum, or even Scarecrow Boat, there's no denying that Mouse Rat is one of America's bands. Uh, I mean, favorite bands. And if, like us, you were disappointed in the so-called Awesome Album and its paltry 16 tracks, hold on to your scrotation marks because we've got some news for you. Hello, this is Ron Swanson. I am happy to report negotiations are back on with the band's label and we are now very close to closing a deal to release the Live From Pawnee exclusive extended version we are calling the Super Deluxe Edition. The Super Deluxe Edition includes all of your favorites, of course. However, our version is more than just the tip and features previously unreleased tracks, including, but not limited to, Oh Grandma, I Fought a Squirrel, Sandwich, Are You Turkey or Ham, November, 
drunk off our asses, wish you were a lamp that would light up when you get touched, and a Johnny Karate fan favorite, pick your nose. Wow, what a great idea. Except maybe for that nose-picking thing. We will be sure to keep you posted on livefrompawnee.com and let you know when to run out to your local food and stuff to pick it up. And, speaking of nose-picking, we've got something interesting while you wait for the Super Deluxe Edition. Apparently, in conjunction with the once-famous Kids Pop organization, we are happy to announce a special Kids Pop Mouse Rat edition of the awesome album, sung by... Children? <clears throat> um, I am told you will hear your favorite, such as... The Pit. Five thousand candles in the wind. Menace ball. Sex hair. Oh, good God. I know I've been misbehaving, but my heart never skipped a beat. You got sex hair. You got it from me, girl. Sex hair. It's such a pretty rat's nest of sex hair. Along with many of the other tracks from the album. Holy cow, I really have to start pre-reading these things. <clears throat> Thank you. That is all. everybody we're back hey mark real quick i'll go through our deleted scenes we had roughly two minutes and 22 seconds on this episode i counted five scenes roughly i think you know the, again some decent stuff but as we often say the right scenes to cut i think overall i completely agree i don't even have anything else to add they're yeah. okay i i encourage if you have the dvd watch them check they're them not out bad. i think the first one was my favorite it's it's and deciding what crazy tom facts to share with mona lisa and it's yes, a bunch of jump i agree cuts i agree maybe a little bit of improv i'd love to know but that yeah. was exactly my thought that one was the one i think is a, maybe the keeper yeah 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 well mark let's get into our tropes first and fun facts i actually didn't had do real well with regards to first yeah i got I, zero this week i i i, mean, I, I can make one up if you want me to I, I tried to make one up. What'd you get? The one I made up that is probably just stupid is I said, well, it's the first time that we heard Rat Mouse play without Andy, but it may be the only time. That's still a first. I guess so. Yeah. I, we'll keep it. Yeah, we'll keep it. Let's just move on. That way we seem smart. <laughs> yeah. How about your tropes? I think we probably did better there. I did have some some uh, some tropes. First, I want to mention uh, we had a, a, a clink and drink, which yeah. if I remember right, this was kind of a trope that they attempted to set up in season one. And yeah. it didn't really, I think, Not persist point. in the way that they maybe they intended it to. Yeah. It does come up from time to time, especially when Leslie and Ron kind of respectfully hash out their differences. Over we saw some it in season lore. three. Yes. Yeah. And it was well done that season. Yes. So, yeah, I, I like it. I'm nostalgic for it, I think. Yeah. Well, well done. Um, I said uh, P.I.M. Politics is messy. Mm, um, uh, 
I, I included fun with names because um, there there is a point when when Ron gets the plush dragon toy for getting the hole in one, the little, the employee that comes up to him, I looked this up. His name is apparently Bill Trickfork. Oh yeah. I saw that name. All right. That qualifies for fun with names because what the hell? I would agree. Um, I put RRL Ron respects Leslie. Yeah. Um, Mug to the camera, uh, MTC. Uh, I clocked Ron and Ben and Ann, and there may have been some others, but those are just the obvious ones I saw. Uh, I didn't know if this one qualified. I said, I guess it doesn't now that I think about it. I said mouse rat names just because of rat mouse, but that probably doesn't doesn't apply because it's like a, diff, a different band, really. But remember that there's a whole thing there about how he's good at making up the band names. I think oh. because of that whole dialogue sequence, I'll, we'll count it. The judges say yes. Bing, bing. Burley and the Backstabbers. Yeah. <laughs> great band name. It is Claim a great it. band name. Um, I said uh, uh, SSA, Sweet Stupid Andy. Yeah. And then let you fill in the blank why I'm right. But I yeah. think I'm right. Um, I said... Um, I said over the top Leslie uh, wanting to stop at nothing to save the mini golf course. Yeah. And I think not that it's a bad idea, but I think particularly because she had a soft spot in her heart for it. Hmm. You know, um, I said uh, overly cheerful Chris, which I actually like that version of Chris. I um, and I also says a CSL. Chris says literally. Good. All right. Did I miss any? So I, 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 a couple, I have a few more, but I want to also kind of create a variant on yours. You'd mentioned some of the mugs, the cameras, and I, I definitely had Ben. I definitely had Anne. I'm going to argue that the one we both saw with Ron is not a mug. I had Ron talks to the camera. Like he delivered his line you know what, to I, the I'd audience. I agree to that. Yeah, which is pretty rare in this show. But in this case, I kind of liked it. Andy actually does that a lot. A lot. Yeah, of, of every character he breaks the fourth wall the most. Right. For right. sure. But I thought it was fun and interesting. You know what? It. I like that distinction. I'm yeah. going to remember that. Yeah. Yep. I think that's worth noting. I had uh, Leslie is passionate about projects. Yeah. I mean, that's a, definitely a near cousin for maybe even a first cousin of, you know, overprepared. But yeah, I kind of like it. Uh, I said, <laughs> Ron is passionate about defunding government. Yes. Which, you know, it's been a, a theme, a trope before, for sure. Um, and I said, LDR, Leslie and Ron disagree. Like, yeah, that is a thing. And it doesn't happen all the time, thankfully, because I don't think we'd enjoy that. But when it does, it's usually a good old fashioned, you know, fisticuffs over I'm right and you're wrong. Well, but but not to get schmaltzy about it, but I think that's what makes their relationship so interesting is they absolutely are coming at it. Most yeah. things that have to do with politics and stuff from a completely different perspective. That's very true. I realize I forgot one. What? RLL, Ron loves Lagavulin. Oh, yeah. That, yeah. That's a great qualifier. Mark, I think that about does it for tropes. Um, how about goofs? Did you have any goofs this week? Um, I had I had one that that kind of bugged me. So, um, I mean, not significantly, but enough to make me go, oh. April in this episode said that she only listens to quote German death mm -hmm. reggae 1950s Halloween sound yep. effects and Bette Midler, which was funny enough. But in season three, episode fourteen, Road Trip, she explicitly said her favorite band was Neutral Milk Hotel. Yeah. Well, what the hell, April? Now I've got a shirt in my closet for no reason. I'm pissed. I have a lot of those. They're just too small. <laughs> oh, my God. I got some of those, too. <clears throat> That's, That's a good catch, had. actually. That's a really good catch. There was one on the Internet about uh, palm trees at the you know, PPPPP. Right. Um, which, you know, they should not have in Indiana. So I agree with that. Right. One. We don't have any native palm no, trees here they in the Hoosier die. State. Yeah, they'd die. Yeah. Days like today, especially. They really die. Um, 
And then I had one that I actually caught, and I want to see if you agree with what me. that is. So uh, I, I know we've said this is maybe our third trip to Paladino's, definitely our second for yes. sure, no doubt about that. Right. And I remember in either of those scenes, and maybe it was Rock Show, maybe it was also in the second one, but I was Rock Show the time where we learned about the original, like they were in the phase, they were Scarecrow Boat. Yeah. Okay. So Rock Show, there's a poster, there's a bulletin board out front. And it says tonight, you know, Scarecrow boat. Right. That poster was still up on the exterior shot. Nice. And they're obviously, you know, they're not even mouse rat now. They're rat mouse. Right. So they're definitely not Scarecrow boat. So the, <laughs> I figure either that's a goof or the person in charge of changing the thing is Could've horrible. Well, or they just did it as a homage. That could be. Tip of the and yet, I didn't catch that. So, yeah. great catch. I think it's still technically a goof either way. Even I think if they you're did right. It on purpose. Yeah. yeah. Even if it's a purposeful goof. Yeah. We yeah. caught it. I'd like to believe it was. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. How about fun facts, Mark? I only had one. And and it has to do with uh, with Rat Mouse, just that they they did mention that before in the season two finale, Freddy Spaghetti. Oh, yeah, yeah. Andy mm-hmm. mentions that mouse because I think Andy had a broken arm and they're like, oh, you know, well, can you so can you not play or, mm-hmm. can, or can the rest of your band play without you? And then Andy's like, no, 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 no. They've tried playing without me. They call themselves Rat Mouse and they suck. Yeah. Like he explicitly said that, I which I, yeah. I thought was was nice and clever that now they call called themselves rat mouse yeah. as they were playing without Andy. That's great. Did yeah. I miss any? There, there was more of what I'd call a connection that I saw on the internet. I thought it was interesting. I'd kind of remembered this, you know, um, Rashida Jones basically left the show, you know, when they go to Michigan, mm-hmm. the reason she leaves the show is she's actually uh, an original story writer on toy story four mm-hmm. and there's a toy story three reference here. So I thought that was cute. Nice. But I did have one of my own. The, uh, take it here or not, I guess suppose, but it's one of three episodes without Jim O'Hare. He was mm. in 121 of the 124 episodes. And this is one of the three he's not in. Nice. nice. Credit only. So yeah, interesting. You know what? That makes sense. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about that here in a minute. So Mark, let's get into our scores. All right. Scoring incoming. So my I have co-MVPs for this episode, and they are Jenny Slate as Mona Lisa Saperstein and Amy Poehler as Leslie Nope. Okay. So Mona Lisa is a she's just a straight up loon. She's crazy in all the best and worst ways. And and I think Jenny Slate plays her perfectly. It's a great extension of, I think, what started out as kind of the John Rolfio vibe. But in a lot of ways, I feel like it's just as good. Like she's made it her own she role. Rolls down, and and she absolutely cracked me up in this episode. And and for me, definitely made this the C story actually my favorite mm. of the three, without question, just because of her antics. Um, although I think personally that the A story was it was good, but not great. Um, I thought Amy Poehler did a respectable job of showing Leslie's many sides from her silly manic energy to her frustrations with jam, her flippant energy when opposing Ron, and then showing her thoughtfulness and sweetness when she hashed it out with him at the end and allowing Ron to have a nice mentor slash friendship moment Mm. in in his office. Um, And I really like their exchange. Uh, So Leslie's venting. Ron says, you know, dude, you're in politics. What'd you expect? And Leslie responds saying, I hoped it would be like dealing with you. People with strong opinions, hashing out respectfully. And I feel like that's a nice tip of the hat to 
um, Leslie and Ron's relationship, which I've always maintained is at the true heart of the show, plus giving us some insight to Leslie going into politics. So she's not, Leslie isn't completely naive. She didn't think that there would be no conflict. It's just that, say what you will about Ron. Yes, he might be frustrating, especially if you take a stance in opposition to his, but he's a known quantity, he's dependable, and he's true to his word. So dealing with the Swansons of the world may not be easy, but I think it's got to be comforting in its own way, especially when contrasted with the Jeremy Jams of the world. You know, we've seen Leslie also kind of do this pattern before, like specifically where she gets worked up about something and develops almost tunnel vision to to achieve her uh, goals before finally seeing things more clearly and maybe self-correcting her course. So it's, it's at this point, it's, it's a trope, not mm. necessarily a bad one, mm-hmm. it, it, but the main times it turns bad, I think. And I don't think it was this episode, by the way, but I think the main times that this trope as we're calling it turns bad is when she goes too far or she doesn't self-correct enough, namely when she adversely affects people yeah. other than herself. And then like with Tom's antics, yeah, that's true. It, it can become a little harder to, uh, to forgive. Good point. Um, I thought it was very refreshing to have an Ann Tom storyline that holy crap was actually good. Yeah. Um, of course it was helped along greatly by the crazy, crazy Mona Lisa, but still, you know what? I liked both Tom and Ann in this one. Yeah. I, well done. I liked it a lot. Speaking of how delightfully K Razzy Mona Lisa is my Alan, my initial thought now is, is, is Mona Lisa too crazy to be with anyone? And then I thought about it and I thought about it. What about Dennis Feinstein? Oh, they're perfect. Can you imagine those two together? Like, is that a missed opportunity? As long as they're legally sterilized and they're not allowed to breed, I'm good with it. I completely agree. Done. Nailed it. (laughs) I I will say, however, Tom being with Mona Lisa doesn't bother me in the way that it did when Tom was with Anne. I, I guess for some reason I can wrap my head around this a little more. Now, for the sake of Tom's character, I hope he can break up with her for good, yeah. but I've got something to say about that. I got to admit some right. of their scenes are funny. Yeah, um, that's true. So a couple of nitpicks. It felt like there were quite a few people in this episode that kind of took a backseat. In my opinion, Ben and April and Chris and Donna like all took a backseat. Yeah. Um, and, and Jerry's not even and, in and it. Jerry's not even in it. Yeah. So it's like it feels very sparse in a, in a, in a way, yeah. I think, accordingly. And I think I realized as I was taking notes on this episode, Alan, I didn't really care much about the B story. Like I, I love Andy. And, and when and when Chris Pratt is on fire, there's nobody better. But I just found that the whole story was dull. Like, I don't know exactly why. It just it didn't speak to me. So, meh, that's just me. <laughs> the A story, as I already mentioned, like that's a classic rehash of Leslie versus Ron. It's not going to win any awards, but I mean, it's it's all right. It had its good moments. It's just it didn't really push the boundaries. Let's just say that. I think that's true. Um, All right. So on to the crazy Mark rubric. I'm going to give this a 3.5 base score. I, I thought that the A story was good enough, but not great. I just wasn't really into the B story at all. The C story, surprisingly, was my favorite, despite it being by far the smallest of the three storylines. 
I'm going to give uh, a bonus point, a full bonus point for uh, my episode co-MVPs in, in, in combo there. Jenny Slate is Mona Lisa and Amy Poehler is Leslie Nope. I'm going to give a half point for what I thought was a nice list of guest stars. You got Jenny Slate as Mona Lisa Saperstein, John Glazer as Councilman Jam, James Green as uh, the elderly Councilman Milton, uh, Andrew Burlinson as Burley, Ellen Yang as Chang, uh, Mark Rivers as, as, I guess they just call him Rivers. Rivers. Um, and then and there's some others also that have just like very minor roles, yeah. but not a bad list. I'm going to give half point for what I call the A story resolution. I did like the way that Leslie and Ron ended things. I talked about that earlier. I won't go into more detail. I'm going to give half point for what I call the B story combo. I know I said I'm not a fan of the B story. Eh, there are a few good jokes in there. I'll give the whole thing in totality half a point. That's fine. Okay. I'm going to give half point for what I call the C story support. What I mean is hats off to Ann and Tom for a storyline that I really liked and that centered around them without either one of them making me roll my eyes. I appreciate that. Hats off. Uh, Mainly for Tom. Sure. I'm going to give half point for what I call the A story support. I thought Ron and Jam actually were very funny. And I thought Chris and even Milton had some good moments in it. So, you know, tip of the hat, half point there. I'm going to give one final half point for what I call the joke combo from I will name him $9,000 of taxpayer money, the gorilla to Leslie boasting the mini golf will attract more visitors on the Hoosier Dam and produce double produce double electricity. They still had some gems in there. They did. So you total those mark points up. You come up with seven and a half little Sebastians. This wasn't a bad episode. It was good. I just didn't think it was a great one. I almost gave it an eight due to how good Mona Lisa was. Mm, and there were good parts, but I couldn't quite do it. I, I'll i go on record, Alan, as saying so far in season five, this has probably been my least favorite episode. But that doesn't mean a lot because, in in my opinion, season five has been just as entertaining as season three. So... That doesn't hardly mean a lot. And a large part of my scoring, I think, had to do with how I felt about the story. So if if out there, you know, our viewers at home, if you like the B story, increase my score. It just didn't work for yeah. me. So blah. Um, anyway, Mark's official score, 7.5 Little Sebastians. Back to you, Alan. I'm going to rock that scuba. You mark. are so going to rock that scuba. I see it in your eyes. Yeah, well, we'll see. Yeah. You see something. <laughs> see disappointments, what you see, Mark. Oh, Yeah. I didn't love this episode. Um, you know, I, I'm with you. I oh, guess. I thought you meant disappointment with oh, me. No, no, you're fine. You were much better than the episode, as a matter of fact. Oh, uh, yeah. um, Mark nine. Yeah, my Mark. <laughs> I give Mark's rubric a nine, so um, and Mark a ten. So. Yay! Um, I win. You win. Uh, someone had to win this week. So it you wasn't weren't a, us. you weren't a big fan. No. Tell me and more. I'll tell you what. I I'll double down. Well, I won't. I, it's not double down. Triple I'm, down. I'm going to triple. No, I'm going to triple Quintuple down. down. No, I, I'm going to disagree with you a little bit on the Mona Lisa. Oh my thing. God, like go. I like it. I love Jenny Slate. I think she does an amazing job. Yeah. I think it's one of those things like, oh my God, the ice cream is so good. I should not eat a gallon of it. And I feel like we got a gallon of Mona Lisa. I would have been fine with a half gallon or maybe a quart. I, I can't relate to that comment, but that okay. probably says Take a lot more about me than you. And pretend it's about having a little too much of Mona Lisa in this episode. Oh my God. Then you're right. Okay. Fair. Um, I, again, I, very funny stuff. And you know, I hate to be the guy that sometimes points out that sometimes base humor 
gets unfunny after you've had too much of it. And I felt like that happened here, as a matter of fact. Here, here's what I'll say. The A story was the best overall. Like, it had, well, I, the A story had the best potential. I'm going to say it that way. Hmm. The B story never had legs, no potential whatsoever. And in fact, I'd argue none of these storylines ever hit the rhythm, any of them. Uh, and the C story, I said, it's just okay. Or I said, no, sorry, that's what I said about the B story. The C story is decent and almost funnier than the A story. But I said, a little too much base humor because I think it just went on too long. It was saturated a little bit much with Mona Yeah, Lisa. like save some of it yeah. for the future, you know? And, you know, they do a better job of this with John Ralphio, I think, generally, than they do with Mona Lisa. Like, you know, he says she's the worst and she totally is. But especially when she's on screen this much being that gross that often. Well, that's a good point. I, I mean, in, in my memory, they've had more episodes, obviously, with John Ralphio than they have with Mona Lisa because so yeah. he's been around longer. That's true. I don't know that they've ever had an episode where he's been front and center as much as she was in this, this episode. One. So yeah. I get your point. Yeah. If you think it was a little bit of oversaturation, yeah. I get that. Well, and I think in the A story, you know, Jam got so much screen time that he's almost on screen more than Ron mm. and equal with Leslie. So I think that felt imbalanced, whether you were consciously aware of it or not. Honestly, I just, I, again, I just didn't love this episode. I thought overall, I maybe liked it as an eight, but I probably am going to score it as a seven, five based on everything I just said. Mm -hmm. um, you know, a couple other comments, you know, Leslie, when we hit on this a little earlier, Leslie's naive, you know, she idealizes everything in politics and life in general. She sees the best in everyone, but she's often disappointed and we're disappointed with her. So I think that's what makes her relatable in this scenario. Yeah. Um, and I didn't think she went too crazy or too, and she never got too, you know, she didn't get into blackmailing anybody like, you know, right. That one episode that I hate. <laughs> right. But, she, she didn't get annoyingly and unforgivably manic. Yeah. She reined it back in. Yeah. Or, Cross the line so far that it felt out of character. Yes. Yeah. Yes. But, you know, giving somebody a couple extra snow cones and paying for them. Ron said with taxpayer dollars, but I don't know. She got a, you know, a city council Amex, I guess. I don't know. Right. I don't know. I don't know. But again, that's that's getting way into the weeds and I'm picking apart, you know, details that don't matter. Oh, it's interesting. Comedy. But yeah, but, you know, those are the things, at least in my head, because I'm broken, that bother me, I guess. Sure. Yeah. Um, it occurs to me, too, that... I, I like the Mona Lisa. Here's what I do like about the sea story. Mona Lisa is bad enough, gross enough, revolting enough, whatever, that it gives Tom a great platform to show that despite Tom's occasional, you know, pimping Tom, kind of gross based Tom, he's still a pretty good guy as a character compared to Mona Lisa. Like, oh, yeah. He's too good for her. <laughs> yes right definitely and, and that would have been harder to say about previous season toms yeah yeah i would agree with so that I, I think it does at least show that he's grown in this character this kind of semi-successful entrepreneur which we'll see a little more in the next episode um alan who who was your was your mvp me for my mark rubric who was your oh my MVP? god i almost forgot to give my mvp i know thank you for catching me mine was actually rashida jones all right. I, I thought that in the C story, which again, like you, I kind of like maybe a little better than the A story, at least in its potential, um, or at least what we got to, what we got dealt out. I thought I just liked Anne. I thought 
her scenes were funny. I think she's part, her reactions to Mona Lisa and the whole thing. And I thought Rashida Jones did a good job balancing. I that. agree. I just had a hard time giving out the MVP in general this week. I'll just be honest about it. Yeah, I get that. I think when you're looking at a seven and a half, it's, you know, and we talk about these, you know, there wasn't a clear standout among the three storylines. And one of them we just didn't like very much. It's hard to find an MVP in that world. Yeah, I, I think you and I are agreed that the, the Andy story, the B story, it just it was just a big nothing. Which but, and I, I think Pratt, you know, he had some funny moments, as, you know, funny Andy gems, let's say. Sure. But I also felt like just the whole, you know, he comes in as the straight businessman stuff. I, I kind of get it. I don't think they made it as funny as they could have. They didn't they didn't find the humor in those moments. And it kind of brought the episode down a, a peg to me. I agree with that. And also that story arguably had the most characters involved with it. And then they just didn't do anything with hardly any of them. So it felt like all of them were just let downs, including April and Ben who can be hilarious, but just didn't get any chance to shine. That's, that's a great way to look at it. Yeah. So seven and a half little Sebastian smart. Wow. Yeah. Well, I was I was afraid you were going to chastise me yeah. for going too low, and then once you started bad mouthing it, I thought, oh, I went too high. But it turns out, like Goldilocks, I was just I, right. I never considered a seven. I, I did. I thought there was enough here, enough potential, and I thought overall, Joe and Alan, I see where they were headed in the episode they wrote. And, and you got to remember, Alan also directed this episode, and you know, uh, Chang shows up in it. So yep. he's on screen too, which is always an interesting, I, I gotta be a hard thing to do. Right. I want to give him props for that, but yeah, not their best episode. I agree. Like I said, I think I will officially go on record as saying so far in season five, it's my least favorite episode. I yeah. would still watch it and I still enjoyed yeah. it, but yeah, my least favorite episode. Last thing, Mark, yeah. do you feel like maybe, so, you know, when you're, you go like to the NCAA tournament, right? Yeah, I do basketball. Yeah, you do basketball. Well, right before that, they have their, their, their tournaments, you know, for each of the, uh, you know, what they call them there, the, uh, the, the regions. Yeah. 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 Right. The regions. <laughs> their divisions. So they have their divisional playoffs. And, and I think it's pretty common. This happens in NFL games and other sporty sports too. You know, you don't give your all in that. You save some for, for the big show. Yeah. Do you think they did that here because we're about to hit our season finale? That That's my guess. I mean, I, I think that that's my theory. In When we had the episode Leslie and Ben, mm-hmm. which was the only normal size episode we have ever given a perfect 10 to. Yeah. I think they had some let's catch our breath moments. In that case, it was afterwards. afterwards yeah. But but I think that there's that balance. It's like you're going to give your absolute all for, for whatever. Yeah. Well, there's going to be a price to be paid yeah. in terms of like, just catch your breath. You can't, yeah. you can't dig the spurs into the horse yeah. all I, the time. I'm imagining like mentally the writer's room, the producers, even maybe the cast is moved on to thinking about the season finale. Yeah. Like, Hey, go make that other episode. Cause we got to get that done, but then we're going to make a really good episode. Absolutely. I'm hoping that's what happens. And again, not meant as a dig to anybody. No, no, this no, wasn't no. a bad episode. It's, it's just you, you have such stellar episodes in comparison. This is probably my least favorite of season five. I'd agree with that. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, nice job today, Mark. And uh, I want to remind our viewers to go out and find us on the social medias there. You know, the Insta, whatever, Instabooks and uh, uh, the the Graham Twitters and uh, whatever else is out there. Yeah, Uface. I don't know, the you know what they're called. Yeah. yeah. But mostly uh, go to the Apple podcast there and rate and review us. We would really appreciate that. And uh you know, if you do, we'll, we'll, we'll thank you. 
Alan, 10. Yeah. Mark, 3. But yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, no, mm-hmm. I think so. I'd invert those, but yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's out of five. Give us both fives. Yeah. Oh, out of five. <laughs> Very nice. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for joining us, everybody. We will see you next time. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone. Live from Pawnee is a copyrighted production of the creators. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved. Original music was created and performed by Aaron Emerson of Emerson Studios. Clips are used under fair use doctrine for the purpose of commentary and parody. Please see our website at livefrompony.com for more details or to contact us. Music